Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. Today, I have a special guest with me that I've been stalking on Instagram, and I've known him for quite some time, and I'm just really excited to pick his brain and have him share with you his insight on leadership and boundaries. He is the owner of Raise Your Lid Leadership and Growth. Welcome to the podcast, Rob Hines. Hey, Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our time together. Amazing. You know, a lot of people, whether they're a solo artist or salon owner, they want to know more about leadership and leading themselves and mindset. So before we jump in into like the juicy stuff here, I want to know more about, Rob, how did you even get into this niche coaching? Oh, well, it's interesting. Um, In the beauty industry, I started in the beauty industry in 2004. However, before that, I was already doing small business consulting and a little bit of personal coaching with people. And once I started in the beauty industry, I started in sales and distribution and manufacturers, got into business development. And it was just a natural thing that I was continuing to develop skills while I was also seeing the need within the beauty industry, this is where people really seem to need help. They needed more resources. So I thought the skill levels that I was developing as I was coming along were actually being well needed and well received in the industry. So from 2004 till right to this date, here we are. What was it that you were seeing in the industry that you were like, people need help with this. And I think I can help them. Yeah. The first thing I saw was how great and wonderful and heartfelt the people in this industry are. And I noticed on the creative end, there were plenty of resources, plenty of support. But what I also noticed along with that creativity comes a lot of emotion comes a lot of um, skills that needed to be developed, whether it's communication, leadership, um, even business skills. There were some resources within the industry, but at the time, very few and very few with the great details that would help somebody continue to build those skills. So those were the needs that I saw. And as I started to develop those things on my own, I had gravitated a niche of whether it was clientele or um, colleagues in the industry that were like-minded and were looking for those things. So it was, it was actually a really natural fit as time moved along. Yeah, it's, it's funny, like looking back, My perspective is at the time I was an employee when I met you. So being a salon owner was not something that I was very familiar with. And as somebody on the sidelines, I kind of felt like everyone was in it for themselves. No one was sharing ideas and concepts of, hey, what's working in your business? What's not working? And now things feel very reversed um, or flipped where everyone is wanting more conversation about what's happening, what's working. And we're coming more together as a community of wanting to see each other win. Do you, are you seeing that too? 
I think it's a wonderful development and it's a wonderful evolution. The beauty industry has always been, if, if we're going to be completely honest with each other, very, very much ego driven. And it still is to quite an extent today, but people, even with the ego portion of it, they're realizing that the better results, the better choices, the better practices come with collaboration and come with, it's okay that you don't need to be top of the mountain and regarded as the best. You could just be a resource for other people and they could be other resources for you. So that evolution in the industry has been very nice. There's still a large portion of it, which is the ego driven and, you know, um, quite, quite honestly, a lot of pretending out there, but it's becoming less and less. The more um, people are open with honest information. Sometimes it's hard to dispel. Um, it, it, it's hard to distinguish between the truth and the myths. Because as you well know, Jennifer, you know, be, especially being on things like Instagram, there's a lot of information out there and quite a bit of it is misinformation. So how do we distinguish between what's truthful and what's real versus what's a strong opinion or, you know, a collective opinion. But I do like the evolution between a really ego-driven industry to less of that today. I definitely want to circle back to that comment that you said about, is this opinion or is this fact? Because there is a lot of that going on. And I, I do want to ask you about that, but I want to reverse just a little bit into talking about like the ego-driven leaders and have you helped them? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's interesting. They have to be willing to help themselves first. Some are so deep in the mindset and so deep in the thought that it's really, it's really not in their makeup to make the effort to do it. But I will tell you this, those that are willing to at least be a little uncomfortable and a little bit willing to go through the effort to switch the ego or transition the ego to, I could still be confident while helping other people instead of the, what I call I, me thinking to where it's all about me, 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 and everything revolves around that. So yes, they can be helped um, depending on how strong the ego is, is depending on how much work it'll take to evolve that. And you said it exactly, like you have to be willing. And of course, it always feels good when we are doing things the right way or we're making progress. And I am very curious from like almost like a psychological point of view, like why has this ego developed and why is it being such a stronghold in that person's life that they can't open up their eyes to maybe a bigger picture and a better world for themselves. Yeah, there's so much psychology around ego itself. But if we're going to, if we're going to reduce it a little bit to why so much in this industry, it's because self-importance was something that needed to be built out of massive insecurity. And when there's so much insecurity in you and I, I believe we've even might, might have discussed this in the past is, you know, the people in this industry don't value themselves. So it's really hard for other people to value you if you're not valuing yourself. And that's where, that's where ego, especially in this industry comes into play is what there's so many insecurities out there about being an artist or being a hairdresser versus being a large corporation CEO or all the other things and positions of power we see out there, those insecurities really drive ego in a big way. That's one portion. The other portion is people that believe that they truly believe that they're more important than others in their particular field or their particular profession. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the arrogant cocky part of ego, but the main part of ego is all wrapped around insecurity. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that most people can sniff that a mile away too. They can, but isn't it interesting how many people, even when they sniff, sniff that out, 
if enough people are saying it, they're willing to follow that and they're willing to act along with it. And, you know, it's still, I think people's, people's bullshit monitors are much more tuned in than ever. However, they're still willing to follow if there's a great enough group that's following along. And that's dangerous. Mm. I, I feel like, you know, I'm going to speak a little bit out of both sides of my mouth here, because when we talk about the people who are showing up on social media and self-proclaiming themselves to be coaches or educators, even myself, I, I say I'm an educator, maybe more of a teacher. I love teaching, showing people of the things that I've learned and things that I know. And a part of me is like, when I see people showing up, I'm like, go you, because it's a, it's really difficult to show up as yourself and say like, I know this, this is what I'm good at, you know? And then you've got the other people who are showing up being really loud that are saying things that are, may not work for everybody, or maybe they're putting other coaches down. Can you speak a little bit about your thoughts on what we're seeing when it comes to coaching and social media and putting ourselves out there? It's a hard balance and it's a tough harmony to come across. Here's where, here's where really being honest with yourself needs to come into play. If you do have a particular skill set, if you do have particular ex- experience with things and experience teaching things, then by all means, go out and do that. Some of the things we do see out there is people think, well, I'm a salon owner, so I could definitely coach salon owners. That's not the case. That's not the truth. Or I'm a, I'm a hairstylist, so I could go out there and talk to hairstylists about all these things, even if I'm not doing them myself. So the part of, part of the what brings value or devalues people when they call themselves coaches is, Are you really a coach or like to your point, Jennifer, are you an educator? Are you a teacher? Are you a mentor? Are, you know, all those things mean different things, but the comfortable and the confident word out there is coaching. And for people like myself, I've invested thousands and thousands of dollars in time and energy of my own to actually learn the coaching skills and process and, and the things that go along with true coaching, it's not just, well, I'm really good with people, so I'm going to call myself a coach and start helping them. So mm-hmm. we really have to be honest about the skills we have um, now, about the experience we've had, and really the action we've taken. That's the important thing, because there are people that say, well, you know, I I can really help you overcome your fear. However, themselves, they haven't gotten to a good point in their own life to where they've overcome their own fears. So I I would encourage those people not to be teaching or sharing that stuff unless it's just, I want to share my thoughts and opinions. Mm. That's fine. But when you really get into this, oh, I'm going to coach people on fear but yet they haven't even overcome that themselves. That's where it gets a little bit irresponsible. I had like a vision of my head. Have you ever seen the Pixar movie Inside Out? Yes. And and they're in the warehouse and all of a sudden something spills over and it's a whole bunch of facts and opinions and it all gets mixed up. We're seeing a lot of that on social media. And so how do you think we can identify uh, what should I be listening to or implementing versus like, this is probably not the best fit for you. How, how do we decipher what to do? It's hard to filter through all the noise, right? One of the things I recommend is when you hear something or start to learn something and you gravitate to it, my encouragement is always do more homework. Do more homework, seek out the truth, seek out more facts, um, seek out more examples before 
taking on, you know, whether it's something like an ideology or something that, well, you know what, a lot of people are saying this, so it must be true. Really, really do your homework and look deeper into it. Yeah, I agree. Like really understanding the why behind it. And I'm a firm believer that business isn't a one size fits all thing. I mean, there's a lot of chatter about do all hourly pricing or just raise your prices, charge your worth. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> Why right. am I doing this? Or, you know, even like when it comes to building your team, like, oh, let them do whatever be, you know, like I, I won't even go into who I'm speaking about because I don't want to put down everybody's coaching. But you, like you said, if you're gravitating to what they're speaking, do your homework and look more into it to see, is that the right fit for you? We've got, we've got what we call a lot of blind advisors out there. They're just putting information out there and it's their opinion. It's their thought. And, and they could very well be good thoughts, good opinions, but basically they're just telling people what to do without learning about the people first. For example, I don't take on new clientele until we have, a discovery conversation, I find out about them, I find out about what they're looking for. And then I find solutions to help them with their particular thing. Um, if you'll see even on my Instagram, I'll put out some information, but I won't go to the point to where you need to go independent or you need to charge hourly pricing. That's really irresponsible. And there's a lot of that out there. Now, if you're saying, hey, you know what? hourly might be a way to go for you. If you're interested in that, I'd be happy to find out if this is a good fit for you. When we do mass marketing and mass over advising, we bypass all the, we bypass the people that we're actually affecting and we throw all this information out, then more people gravitate to it. More people put that same information out and you're right. Many times it may not be a good fit for that person, but they're hearing it so much. They think, oh, well, I probably should do that. And mm. that, you know, that could be really harmful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I believe that's so important to really know um, if you are a coach or educator listening to this, a teacher, like really understanding your students, um, perspective and where they are at and is that a good fit for them right like as a hairstylist I can't take on every client because I might not be a good fit for them because of my expertise and and experience and I know that and I think that a lot of hairstylists could say like oh I clearly understand that but do we clearly understand that when it comes to working with a coach you know I'd love to get into because you are the leadership guru and you have studied under the John Maxwell leadership program, I'd love to learn more about that because it has great credibility to you, Rob, and it speaks volumes for your passion and your care for um, consulting and this industry. Can you share a little bit about what that Maxwell leadership experience has been like for you? How has it transformed you? Well, the good news is it's still ongoing. You know, it's a constant learning. It's a constant evolving. At the beginning, what it ended up doing for me was it gave me a lot of clarity on a few things. It gave me clarity on the things I'm really strong and, and capable of. Those are the things that I really needed to move forward with. It also showed me where my areas of growth opportunity were. And if I decided to build on those skill levels, how to do that appropriately, how to do that transparently and honestly. And through the, through the John Maxwell leadership team journey, um, there's also continued mentorship out there. There's multiple resources. I mean, John himself, has umpteen million books and he's got more books coming out. I actually have two on pre-order. So, you know, the amount of resources just within that one company has been massively helpful in my growth. And then one of the things that I like to do is I like to research outside of the box and outside of what I'm doing 
to find more resources or different perspectives so I could implement that into my daily practices. Mm, it's so powerful. And every time that John speaks to, I, I'm like open ears, open eyes. He's just so wise and uh, a wealth of knowledge. I would like to hear a little bit more about your perception of what you're seeing when it comes to salon leadership and how it's changed in the past maybe five years. Okay. Well, salon leadership, out of all the things out there, has the most growth opportunity. Um, one of the challenges within that is that salon industry people look within salon industry people almost exclusively other than people like yourself, me, where we go, where we go outside of our box, you know, we're always asking other salon owners, well, what do you do? We're always looking at the beauty professionals on stage and we're like, okay, well, what are they doing? That's becoming a very, very small box, especially when it comes to leadership, because the industry as a whole is still figuring that out. Now, there are some resources within and there are some companies within that do a really good job of that, but they're still an extremely small piece of the overall. Mm. And, you know, what I've seen in the past, I think you said the past five years, the past five years has been a realization, a realization of, you know, we just can't look to our own colleagues within our own box to figure this out we actually do need and welcome other resources to come in and help us with that. That's beautiful. And now that I have been a salon leader for, um, I don't even know now, four, four years, five years now, I never would have imagined and thought the mindset that you have to have and the strength that you have to have to to be a great leader, what is it in your mind that you would say, this is a great leader versus you got some room to improve? <laughs> Jennifer, you said this at the very beginning of the podcast, and I want to, I only not want to reintroduce it, but give you credit for it. You must lead yourself before you can lead others. People often skip that step and leadership is a really difficult thing for them. You know, for, and, I, and I'll just give a, a really simple example. If you want to lead your team and you say, one of our core values is timeliness. We need to be on time for our consumers to give them the best experience. We also need you to be healthy psychologically and physically. So we, we're going to look at timeliness. However, if that leader isn't walking the talk and they're not on time or they're not prepared or they're not the things, they're not living the, the values they're putting out there, leadership is a really difficult thing. It's a difficult thing anyway. But when you're not leading yourself first and walking the talk, that's the first major obstacle that sends the rest downhill. Now, when you ask me, what's the difference between, you know, a quality leader and somebody who really could use more development? First of all, we all could use more development, no matter what level we're at. However, leadership is about influence and it's about others. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, your influence could be good or bad. You know, so we, we, we really need to, we really need to look at that. If you're, you know, if leadership is influence, we need to figure out the type of influence we're putting out there. Mm -hmm. That's that, I, I would say that's a short answer for what could be a very long answer. Yeah. And it is difficult to lead yourself. And, you know, I will, you know, speak vulnerably to this as far as we see we hear, we see a lot of chatter of all these salons doing this and that. And, you know, you're trying to be the perfect leader 
and it is incredible amount of pressure in what ways do you would you advise like your clients to say maybe not they don't have to put that much pressure on themselves stop looking at others stop the comparison stop the wondering well i wonder what this salon's doing i wonder what they're doing i see that they're doing this on instagram i wonder how i could be part of that focus on your values what you want what you expect what you would like to see out of your team and go down that route you know com comparisons not only a thief of joy it's 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 a thief of self-worth, self-confidence. And the more we do that, and I understand, you know, it's good to look around you and see what's going on. It's not good to obsess over it and try to replicate it and copy it. Mm -hmm. To your point earlier, you know, things that other people are doing may not be a good fit for you. Yeah. And I think that that, it comes with time of developing that skill of not comparing and you know it, it is all just a perspective right it, it, in your perspective you're not doing enough as a leader you know um how do we how do we kind of shift this mindset um so that it's a healthy one when it comes to being a leader or stepping into that leadership role that's a great question we should probably touch on the second point. The first point was influence. The second point was being about others, truly being about others. Here's where just finding out what does my team need? And then you could start to marry it with, here's what I need them to do. Once you start collaborating on those things, now you become a really good leader and this is really where the beginning of coaching comes into play. So when we could focus on others and what their needs are and what their strengths or areas of growth opportunity are, and we could hone in on those things and start to focus, and then we marry them with our values and what our company is about and, and those things, we can now start to grow and build together. Mm. I hope everyone's taking notes because my paper's getting full. <laughs> <laughs> I think this would segue really beautifully into your experience and expertise, your knowledge and boundaries, because as I'm hearing you talk about your, your leadership is influenced and it's about others if you are the type of leader who is a giver and you're just giving, 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 when do you ever pull back and say like, okay, this is, this is good enough. Okay. So when we talk about boundaries, boundaries are there to improve relationships both ways. We need to be, we need to have an understanding of what boundaries are and then we could go into the further things on, okay, what's needed, what's lacking, and then how do I implement it? How do I communicate it? So there, there's a bunch of steps that come along with it. But when we talk about boundaries initially, when you truly understand what they are and what they're for, then what we could do is we could say, okay, you know, I'm giving, giving, giving. And for a while that seemed to be okay. However, it's now affecting me emotionally, psychologically, sometimes physically, personally. It's affecting the way I feel about my relationships. That's one of the indications to where, okay, well, maybe we need to communicate differently and a little bit better about what that actually looks like. You know, I'm willing to give, but there's more to that. You know, when I give, all I'm expecting is maybe a little appreciation, or maybe I'm expecting reciprocation. If I give to you, you give to me. Now that's more transactional. However, it's, it's one of the thought processes around it. Hmm. 
To be clear is to be kind. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Brene Brown, one of my favorite researchers in the world, that quote, I almost have in every class, in every program, I say it all the time, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. It, do, it doesn't get any more clear than that, does it? <laughs> I definitely think, you know, and I, I will admit, I do fall short in this area with leadership of making that clear of, am I looking for something in return here with my leadership or am I looking for you to do it? And I just want to praise you for that. And when you establish those boundaries and make that, you know, you set the tone, you make it clear then your team knows. And I think oftentimes as a leader, maybe we assume, we're assuming our team just knows what to do. And it's actually the opposite where your team is like, I just want to please you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Just say it. <laughs> You're right. Assumption, assumption is an absolute killer. The only way we really truly get clarity is by that clear communication itself. Mm. You know, a lot of time, a lot of, you know, a lot of the salon owners and leaders that I work with, that's one of the challenges is, Rob, you know, I feel like, I feel like I am clear. I feel like they do, they should understand, or, you know, I feel like I put it out there. The results are in, the results are important in themselves. If you're not getting those results, maybe your clarity needs a little bit of an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing, repetition. How do we learn anything? You know, you're, you're a formal hairdressing expert, Jennifer. You didn't do a formal style one time and you were phenomenal at it. No. You got on that mannequin head and you went over and over and over. The same thing goes with leadership and communication especially when you're making changes, people need that repetition and that consistency in the clarity around it to eventually gravitate. Mm. You know, I always hear the, well, Rob, I told him. Okay, well, telling versus teaching are two different things. How many times did you tell them? How did you tell them? And if you realized you weren't getting results why didn't you try to tell them a different way or communicate a different way? So a, a lot of it is in within the adjustments. Yeah, for sure. Something that came across my table the other day was learning and understanding that sometimes each of my team members are different. They've got different personalities, different love languages, they communicate differently, they respond differently. And some of the team, some of my teammates or people who I'm working with, they need validation. And that was something that I had learned as a leader that, oh, they're, they don't ask because they don't know. They just want that stamp of approval that they're doing it the way that I want them to do it. And, you know, for a while I was like bothered by it. Like, oh, I'm so annoyed. And this is just <laughs> such a nonsense thing I'm being bothered with. But really it was like, I, I have to really change my thought process of that, of that I'm here to help them. They're my priority. And some of them just need the validation of like, high five, you're, you're doing great, you know, or even like saying, you know, asking them, what do you think you should do? And giving them the opportunity to empower them to make a decision and then saying, that's great. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. One, one of the things I've been focusing on more, especially in my programs that I do for people is, you know, we call it used to be called, well, it's still called the love languages, but it's actually the languages of appreciation. When we think of it from a more business aspect and with the languages of appreciation, if somebody's is validation, this is where you can really level up your leadership, the more specific you could be about it. So instead of saying, hey, Jennifer, you know, I think you're doing a great job. 
really dig in and be more specific. Jennifer, with that client you had this afternoon that was a little bit challenging, here's what I liked about the way you dealt with that situation. Now what happens is you have learning going on based on a specific experience instead of just a general validation of, I think you're doing a great job. Yeah, I like if, that. If their if they're love, love language or language of appreciation is that. I love that you brought up that everybody is their own individual. You know, they want their certain things. They, they expect their certain things. Again, when we see all this general information thrown out there, you need to do this, you need to do that. That's very, very uncomfortable and off-putting if that doesn't fit for the person. Instead of saying, look, have a conversation with somebody. And once you find out what their needs are, now you can adjust your leadership accordingly. And I wonder too, is, is that what you mean further deeper into when it's, it's about, it's be about others. Is that maybe one of the segments to probably multiple layers? That's, that's one of the pieces of a pretty big pie. For sure. <laughs> we want more of this pie, Rob. <laughs> Is there anything else that you can share with, with that when it comes to either the love language or not the love language, the uh, appreciation language, or maybe how to be more influential for yourself or your team. This is going to sound really cliche. It's going to sound really simple, but it's massively important. Are you listening to learn? Are you listening truly to what the needs are? Or are you listening to respond? Or are you listening to pass along your thoughts, your opinions, your information? Mm -hmm. Listening to learn is a very, very difficult skill that takes a lot of time and a lot of consistency and a lot of focus to do. However, if you can even start to barely master that, you're well ahead of the game in leadership. Mm. simple it it reminds it, me it's simple but it's not easy yeah you know listening to learn is not an easy skill i've been i've been i've been consciously working on that for a long time and sometimes it's still really difficult to not think in the middle of somebody's sentence oh i know what to say i know how i'm going to answer that instead of just being present in the moment fully listening to learn, and not only from what they're saying, how they're saying it, the words they're using, their body language, their facial expressions, the nonverbals, the verbal cues, all those things. It's, it's so deep. It's, it's not just surface level here. It, and this part too reminds me of, like, have you ever been in a group of with people and like each person gets a chance to get the mic of like, hi, I'm Jennifer and blah, blah, blah. Like you can't help but be nervous thinking about what am I going to say? You know, it's got to be really good. And I got to make people either laugh or like me or like, and you're not even thinking about anybody else of what they're saying. You're just thinking about what you have to say yourself. It kind of reminded me of that and how difficult, uncomfortable it is to be like quieting yourself to make space for what others are saying. It's definitely one of the most difficult skills there is, period. Wow. There's so much more in leadership that I want to know um, of what you're sharing. Is there anything that you can touch base on with us when it comes to your coaching style with salon owners about leadership? So my particular coaching style is what I'll call as open-minded as I, as I could possibly be. I really need to ask purposeful questions, listen to learn, and then ask the next deeper level of question 
until we really truly get to what the real need is, what the what the real challenges is, what the real challenges are, um, how we how we can start the steps to evolve that to better that. Um, it's it's a process that again, it's the true coaching process instead of the general coaching mantra out there, which is I know some stuff. I tell I tell people that stuff, so I'm a coach. Real coaching, it's actually more questioning and more listening than speaking. Hmm. And that's the style. That's one of the main styles that I bring. Now, I do mix that with mentoring and consulting because for different clients, their needs of those particular things are going to be a little bit different. There might be somebody that might not want to go really deep into the coaching process, but I've learned enough to where I could now start to guide and advise and mentor and consult on certain things. So I make sure that I could also um, dice those up appropriately. I think that's amazing. And I have worked with lots of different coaches and educators, and I have um, embarrassingly have spent thousands and thousands of dollars. Shh, my husband's in the other room. <laughs> why, why, why would you, why would you say embarrassingly? That's, that's actually a, a positive attribute. Why would you say embarrassingly? Um, I can't say that all of them were worth the amount of money that I spent. So I may, may have not done my due diligence, but mm. nonetheless, I definitely appreciate the fact that you have asked, you're asking questions to really come from a place of understanding of like, let me put your, myself in your shoes. And then with my experience and my knowledge, I'll be able to best help you. And I've worked with a lot of coaches and coaches within that industry that were very quick to judge or mm -hmm. say, this is what you should do without even knowing my position, my experience, where I come from, where my heart is at, where my mind is at. So I, I definitely think that that's um, a, a wonderful way to be helping others. Would you say in your experience that there is a commonality that you find with digging deep into helping salon owners or industry, um, industry professionals in general? Is there something that you're like, most people are saying this. Well, most people are saying this in regard to what? That this is the, the, this is their issues of their business. Depending on how deep I could dig with people, a lot of times what's revealed is I'm seeing all this stuff out there. I either feel like I'm not part of it yet or I'm part of it, but it's not working but so many people are saying these things. So I feel like I should believe it. I see a couple things. I see a really, really disregard for their own self-value, their own self-worth. Um, the other part that I see regularly, once I start to dig deep, is that they realize that they're believing a lot of hype that isn't good for them. But again, they're hearing it so much. There's so much noise out there that they're that they're truly believing this has to be the way and I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Those are two of the things that I see. There are a bunch of things that I see as I get deeper, but those are two of the main common components. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely can agree with that. How how people can be easily influenced, like, oh, I must do, I must operate my business this way because that's what everyone's talking about right now. I want to pivot just a little bit and speak about boundaries because Rob, you have this amazing class that's coming up and I want people, I want our listeners to know more about it, but I, I want to know, first off, you, you speak about boundaries and I know that this has been a little bit of chatter more recently. Um, and it's something that we need to be more self-aware with and be implementing more into our life because the past five years, I feel like has been heavy economy, COVID, 
it, it's just a lot. So can you speak a little bit to maybe your perception of boundaries? Sure. First of all, we all can be better with that. Regardless of how strong mentally or emotionally we feel, we all can benefit from learning more about boundaries. Um, the good and the bad is that the good is it's become a much bigger conversation in our industry, but realistically, universally. That's the good news. It's become more of a conversation, more awareness around it. The challenging part of it is now people put out just blips here and there, which is what I call surface information about boundaries and what they believe boundaries are without actually doing the research and the homework. Mm. So for this program that I'm doing coming up and we'll, we'll do going forward is I did the research, the homework, I continue to taking classes, reaching out to actual psychologists and researchers and really finding out truly how, if I were to want to establish better boundaries in my life, what's the process? What do I need to understand in what order and how do I do that? And that's exactly what this program is. This program takes all the way from defining all the way through implementation and verbiage and every component in between and taking people on, I call it a chapter journey. Each chapter in the boundaries journey needs to be very clear in order for you to establish these things appropriately. Mm. That's one of the things outside of reading psychologist books and you know taking um, webinars directly from them. That's something that's been missing is a comprehensive program from start to, I don't say finish because we're never finished, from start through implementation and communication and going on through there. How would somebody know that they have issues with boundaries in their life? All you need to do is take a break, take a moment, take a breath, and take a look at each one of your relationships and think about what, what really works in this relationship, what doesn't work in this relationship, and what am I acting like is working in this relationship, but it's really not. When you look at that, and you know, from a salon owner perspective, you look at your team. What are the things that are really working? What are the things that aren't working? And what are the things that we're all faking and acting like they're working, but they're really not? That's a really good starting point, is to look at each of your relationships and decide what that looks like. You know, with you and Ryan, your, your relationship is a married couple. You know, the things you say to each other and how you say it. There could be some things that are really strong. There could be some things that are like, well, I don't think it's worth the argument, so I'm just going to give in. That would be an indication of, you know what, there probably could be a healthier boundary around that. Mm. Maybe we should have some marriage counseling. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting more and more families that do want to know more about this. It's, it's definitely fascinating. And to be more, you know, taking that time out to really think about your relationships, you know, why is it, do you think that we don't set these boundaries? And then all of a sudden we get to the point of like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't handle this. Or, you know, like it's, it's more toxic to you than doing them a favor. So it's, it's really hurting everybody. A big part of it is the fear. Well, what if I say this differently? What if I do this differently? What if I hold my ground? The fear is a big part of it. Then there's the next thing that comes after fear is fear of change. Oh, if I do say this or if I do do this, what's that relationship going to look like now? Am I going to lose a relationship? Am I going to make it stronger? You know, all the thoughts that go along with what if I do make change? So that's another aspect. So we have the fear, we have the fear of change. And then we also have the level of comfortability. 
well, it's not so bad. Well, it could be worse. And that's what I call the poor law of compromise. Mm. We compromise ourselves, we compromise our values, and then we compromise other things, our emotional health, um, our physical health, our well-being. Yeah. I, I, when you're saying that, I'm thinking people are saying at this level, like, it's just easier this way. Yeah. Like just not, not even facing it. And, and sometimes it's just laziness and comfortability. And you know what? I throw my hands up in the air. You know, a lot of it comes down to, and Jennifer, you've been part of a million different classes over the years in a lot of different aspects. One of the things that often gets left out is the how-to. Okay, I understand this information, but how do I actually say that? How do I actually implement that? What, is, what are the proper steps to take in order to get to this point? And a lot of times when the how-tos are left off, it leaves people a lot of times with really good information, but it also leaves it in their lap. And most times when that happens, most people won't take action on that. Yeah, it because then it circles back to the fear of like, well, since I don't know how to, I'm just going to live at this. Either it's easier not to do anything or just this place of, of, of fear. And, sure that's, does. and it's just, it's not healthy. It's not going to develop you as a person or your team if you're a leader. Now, this, this class is called The Path to Better Boundaries. It's on March 19th in Lombard. And this, this says this new uh, segment that you're going to be focused on is boundaries. For this particular class, who should be attending? I know it's really weird to say, but this is for everybody. This, this isn't just for the beauty industry. It's not just for salon owners. It's not just for stylists. It's for people who realize that the relationships in their lives could be a lot stronger. Mm. I'll, 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 I'll venture and confidently say it is for anybody that feels that way. It also could be for the overconfident. I think everything I do is wonderful and everybody else needs to bow down to that. It's for those people too, but chances are those are those are the people that won't be attending. There's the, the ego the ego overrides the willingness to learn. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I, you know, as people are listening to this conversation, you and I are having Rob, I, I hope that they're starting to have something surface of like, gosh, like every time this client calls me or this staff texts me, like I just feel this way. And I think that if anybody has relationships in their life, which I hope everyone does, and you ever come to this place of feeling like icky, like not enough, I'm not doing enough, or I, I have this uncomfortable feeling or like you can't reason with their actions and you're not understanding why do you perceive their actions this way? I think that all of those people would gain extraordinary benefits of attending this class, especially as you were, as you're bringing in the psychology into setting boundaries as well. And it has a lot to do with that too. Um, I'm sure during your research, right? Did you feel like, holy smokes, this is this is deep. Still, Jennifer, out of all the programs I've ever done in my life, this has been the longest amount I've spent on research and building and revamping and revamping and revamping. Because as I learn new things and I learn more about this, I'm like, oh my God, I have to put this in there. I, you know, it, or I need to adjust this. So, you know, you brought up one of the indicators of, you know what, if you just feel yucky about a relationship, maybe that's something to look at. I'll actually take people through a lot of the examples of, okay, here's, here's what to look for in indications. Like, here's some of the things. And I could even see, I did a test group for this program and the light bulbs were just going off. 
oh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, now, now I understand that. And once you start to click with these things, you really look and you're like, this has a lot to do with a lot. You know, when you talk to one of, one of your team members that you're mentoring, that you're leading, and you, you, you were wonderfully vulnerable and you admitted, you're like, I, I used to find that annoying. But when you look at that from a boundaries perspective, you think of, okay, there's something there that's not working in any relationships, maybe even the, the relationship of that person within that person that might be an avenue to address. I definitely think that after attending this class that it's gonna be a huge light bulb. And it's probably one of those things too, just like with leadership, it's it's an ongoing uh, self-building. Like it's not gonna be, I'm gonna take this class and I'm gonna be instantly changed, no. but we're gonna start to change your perspective of the relationships in our life and being able to at least identify when like, hey, we need boundaries. You know, it's a, it can be a positive force and positive change in our life. And I, I applaud you for taking the amount of time and, and money that you have spent on this research to bring it to um, the community to our industry and people who really need something like this in their life. So um, any last words of wisdom that you would love to share with the listeners um, for today? I, I would just say, based on all the noise, all the information, the Instagram feeds, all the things that are constantly fed to us, dig a little bit deeper if you find something of interest. Just dig a little bit deeper, do a little bit more research, ask more detailed questions before jumping into something that you feel at the time may be a good fit for you or you need to do it. I would just say, and I know, I know it's very difficult for any of us today, but patience. Have patience in the process and be consistent with your building and with your growth. Some of these things are very, very challenging, very difficult. They're simple ideas, but they're not easy to execute. Not only show yourself a little grace, but also show yourself quite a bit of grit and work your way through it. Patience, patience, patience. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, Rob, this has been amazing. We will make sure to put in the show notes, a path to a better boundaries, March 19th in Lombard, Illinois. Um, in addition, where can our listeners learn more about your consulting or maybe if a salon owner wants to bring you in as a speaker, where can they learn more about you? Well, that's great. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate that. The, the best place, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. It's at rob.raiseyourlidconsulting. And within that, there's a link in my bio to where you could find out all the information about all my services. I have some resources on there for you. Um, tickets to this, this particular program are available on my link tree. So that's the best place to find me. I recommend if you're curious about some of the results I've had with clients, um, I do have testimonials on my link tree as well. And also, if you go through my Instagram feed, you'll see the things I've been doing out there. And if that's something you feel that would gravitate to you, I would love to have a discovery conversation to see if we're a good fit. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rob. Make sure everybody check out his upcoming class and learn more about him. Make sure to follow Rob Hines on Instagram as well. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you are loving these episodes, I would appreciate a review on your experience of how this podcast is helping you grow your business so that others just like yourself can learn, grow, and be a part of the podcast. 
I'd love to get connected with my listeners. So make sure to join me in the free Facebook group where you'll find a community of like-minded beauty professionals that want to grow their business and careers. I'll share with you my top tips, Q&As, and when new podcasts are released. Thank you again for your love and support. It's an honor to be a part of your business building journey. 